On this episode of Call of Duty Minneapolis, we're going to learn about the new Riot expansion pack. We'll learn about the new cheat codes made available to the players to where you can find random piles of bricks in the streets to upgrade your character. We'll discuss the easiest ways to upgrade your character's loadout so that you can survive this year's Battle of America on Fire 2020. We'll talk about the introduction of a new team that you may view as an adversary or an ally known as the National Guard. You'll learn how to use your undocumented shopper to decide whether or not you want to support policies, elected officials, or the new big bosses known as every major governor or anybody in the White House or Congress. In this episode, we won't be discussing our previous game upgrade known as Corona Quarantine as nobody seems to be buying that anymore. This show's about the gray man concept. I'm your host, Shammer, and we're going to be talking about civil disorder and civil unrest, how to survive it, how to plan for it, how to escape and evade and not get in trouble or get yourself hurt. That's what we'll be talking about right here on Gray Man Hiding in Plain Sight. I was reminded by my Canadian friends that right now some of them feel like they're living in the upstairs apartment above a burning meth lab. And honestly, I don't blame them for feeling that way. In just a few days, this has escalated to a level I haven't seen that I can think of in this amount of time beyond any other riot, and it continues to grow. It's growing and spreading. It's gone into some suburban communities, even in Arizona and other places, into small towns of just a few thousand people where paid protesters and other protesters are showing up. Some are legit protesting and some are rioting. People are being killed. Cops are being killed. Violence is ensuing. Businesses are being destroyed. Some people's lives have been destroyed. Some people don't even know this is going on. And how do we survive it? What do we do? Everybody has a different thought and opinion, a different feeling about it. I'm sure everybody that listens to this show comes from all walks of life, different beliefs. Some are you in different countries, not sure what's going on here. And that's fine. We're all entitled to our opinions, and most of us try to sell them in facts, and many of them probably are facts. But we need to look at this from the gray man side. What do we do if we're caught in this situation? Now, while some of you may be listening to this, might be somebody that goes out to a protest, that's fine. I'm not here to judge you for that or tell you what to do or what not to do. What I'm going to tell you is the stuff I teach you on here is not to help you commit any types of crimes or acts of violence against others. What I will say is the violence is out of control, and we've seen things like this happen in other countries. Sometimes they lead to wars, more violence, gunplay. Sometimes they go away very quickly, and right now it's going hour by hour for me, not even day by day. I'm trying to figure out what's going to happen next. So what I'll tell you is the short version is to avoid it. Escape and evade, escape and evade. That's the safest bet you have. I'm not here to tell you how to protect yourself or how to protect your own home and property. Every individual has to make their own decision. There's things you can read about preparedness, bugging in and bugging out, all these types of things, and you need to look at all those. But we're going to start looking at some very simple things that you can prepare for. And it's uh, not in a ha-ha way, but kind of funny. A couple weeks ago, I was actually going to do a civil unrest podcast because we had people protesting from both walks of life, both parties, because of the isolation and shutdown and they wanted everything reopened. Then when this happened, I knew there'd be some riots, but it escalated so quickly. I kind of feel bad that I didn't put some of this information out because maybe it would have helped somebody. So maybe now it will help you or it will help you in the future or somebody else on how to prepare for this. One thing to look at when we're using just the idea of protests and riots is to notice that there is some consistencies to them. Meaning, depending on your state or city, some of them have places known as First Amendment zones, which many of us have opinions about. Regardless of what we think about a First Amendment zone, typically you can find out where those areas are in your town, city, county, or state. 
One thing that can key you in on is the possibility of where protesters could be for any situation, whether or not they're violent. Other things you can look at is protests or any type of march that's happened in the past in your area. Find out or at least research online or, or talk to your local police or the permit office if it requires a permit. Where do people tend to do this? You'll actually find out that there are some consistencies. There are some places where they tend to happen repeatedly. There's plenty that don't happen in the same place, but there's plenty that do, and you can identify where they are. Think of it similar to a parade. When you have a parade in your town for, say, 4th of July or Memorial Day, they tend to follow the same route and pattern. You'll find a lot of the protests do the same thing. That can help you plan the areas you want to avoid, whether you just don't want to be there when it happens, you want to maybe leave early for work, you want to plan a different route, you want to go to a different grocery store this week. Start looking at where these things happen and start tracking where they are now. Are they just staying in one area of a few blocks, or are they moving through the city and town? And where's the destruction at and what you want to avoid? Now, while that's all fine and dandy if you're in a vehicle, what happens if you're on the ground? What happens if you're out to dinner with your family and it breaks out right by you? This is part of the reason when we talked about situational awareness, having paths of escape. While we use the example of going into a store or restaurant and having escape routes, you need to have them when you're walking down the street and out in public. If something was to happen right now, No matter what it was, where would I go? If there was a car wreck right here in the street and nobody gets hurt that's with me, but we know people are going to go there, we know cops are going to show up, how am I going to avoid that situation is to not interfere. If an active shooter right now showed up, where would I go? If a riot broke out right now, where would I go? If a fight broke out in the restaurant right now, where would I grab my family and go? And that's something that's valuable to think about because a lot of us have, even if we don't realize it, a type of belief, a type of bias that says everything's going to be just fine, a normalcy bias. It's not going to happen to me. But that's the problem is people find out when they think that way, they regret it when it does. Even for me, when I'm out in a city and I see some sort of march or protest that isn't for, say, a holiday, and I don't know what it is, and most of the times I see them, they're not even violent at all. They're just walking with signs, maybe have some slight chance, not even a lot of yelling and screaming, nothing too angry. When I see them coming, I get out of the way. I try to predict their path and move and get away from it. Only because something could break out. And I don't want to be caught in the middle of it. I don't want to try to cross the street. I don't want to be where I have to stand off against 40 or 50 people. And I use that number for a reason. If you do a little look and you'll find out there's been a couple places already that have been reported, likely more, where an individual decided to defend themselves or stand up for themselves one person against 40 people, and then they get beat to death or put in the hospital. And we don't need to find ourselves in those positions. If you're around activity like this, this is a time where situational awareness is so important, remaining calm, cool, and collected, not letting our emotions get out of control so that we can think clearly and escape that situation in order to not become a victim. The thing about being on foot is, if you see something coming from a few blocks away that's slow moving, you might be able to say, get a cab. But as they get closer, there's going to be a lot of people running for that cab, a lot of people running for that public bus, a lot of people standing on the side of the road with a phone hoping that Uber ride does show up in two minutes. You're going to find when it comes close and it's a dangerous situation, the quickest and easiest way you can get out safely is on foot. There's plenty of space for people to move on foot and there's ways to get out of there. So some things I recommend is to, if you're in an area that you know, at least get familiar with some possibilities of I can go one block over this way. I can go through this alley because I know it's safe. I can go into this building because I know it has the back door. 
because I've been in there before and paid attention and I know how I can get through the building instead of going around the block. Those are the things we want to look at on how to get out of this location. Another thing to look at too is one thing you can do is get inside of a building or a business potentially to be safe. But here's what you want to think about. In these situations today, take a look at these riots and the businesses are being destroyed. You may find that in some places they're destroying everything on the street, whereas others they might be targeting certain types of businesses. There are certain businesses that tend to get targeted a lot, like liquor stores, convenience stores, electronic stores, things of value that people can loot that they can either dispose of immediately like alcohol or they can take home and use or sell. So if you have an option, avoid those places. Try to get into a building that's not a place that has something people would tend to want to loot. The other thing to consider too is if you find a building like this, say a business, say it's like a furniture store that has large furniture that nobody's going to probably pick up a lot of stuff and carry out, might seem like a safe place. They have furniture you can hide under it and I get that. But one thing we notice about a business like a furniture store is they tend to have a lot of large windows in front of the store so people can see the products inside, just like at an auto dealership and other stores like that. Here's the thing. When it comes to rioting, one of the things they like to do is cause vandalism and destruction, and it's usually by breaking windows. Those are big invites for broken windows, and they tend to be followed by people going inside and doing whatever they want to do. So that might not be the best area. So we're looking for locations that tend not to be places people want to loot, tend to look unattractive, and tend not to have a lot of big windows out in front where you can be seen, and hopefully, especially if you plan this, has a way out the back. We've also talked on previous episodes about having assets and sources. People know things you want to know. Think about an immediate source of information. You go into this building. You exit out the back. Let's say you end up in an alley. You're only half a block back, but nobody's over there yet. Doesn't look like they're going over there, but you want to get out of there. And you find somebody that happens to be homeless or vagrant. As long as you're cognizant and can communicate, try to ask them, what's the quickest way out of here? Where should I go? People that live on the streets that live there for a long time know a lot of things that people don't think about. They know the quickest ways in and out of buildings they use, quickest paths to avoid people because they have to either hide from people or maybe they're doing something bad, but they'll know a lot of this information. They can tell you a lot of things and part of it's going to be route planning. Which way should I go to be safe? I want to avoid that street and that group of people. Which way should I go? Throw them a $20 bill and they'll cough up that information. Because this isn't the time to be concerned about how they're going to use that $20 bill. You're basically buying safety and freedom for a cheap price. This is another reason why we discussed on podcasts about carrying cash on you, especially multiple small bills, so that you can do things like this. Buy information. One thing, too, is a lot of people talk about protecting their home or their property, which I'm totally in support of. But using this situation where you're out in town, it's not your home or property. And let's say you have a weapon on you. It could be a firearm. could be a stick you picked up on the street. And you want to carry that for self-defense in this situation. Totally understand that and completely in support of it. Just remember that if it's a mob and it's a riot and they're coming for you, you don't want to attempt to use that until you absolutely have to. Because here's the situation you got to think about. If they're already actively violent and vandalizing things, their adrenaline's flowing, they're throwing rocks, they're doing all this stuff, they don't tend to back off for a few cops that are armed. So don't think for a second that they're going to stop for one person that's got a firearm or a knife or a stick. Because no matter how good you are with that, if there's a lot of people, they will overrun you quickly. So escape is always going to be your best first option. One of the things I do that I encourage people to do when you visit a location, even if you visit it somewhat frequently, but you don't live there, you're not intimately familiar with the layout, especially in a city or a downtown area, is go to your hotel or just walk in a hotel. They tend to have those uh, little stacks of maps and tourist locations 
they tend to have a map or your hotel will somewhat cartoonish of the touristy downtown areas that'll label all the streets and where a lot of the major businesses are. Those are good to have and to kind of learn and look, see what's available around the out area you're going to be working in or walking around that day. Not to mention if you had to go on the run and you got in that building, you got out the back door, you got in the alley, you threw a guy at 20, he said, go left. You run down there for a second, you take a breath, you look at that map, see what's around you so you can plan your next steps. Those few seconds and that information can be a game changer. So I always recommend people have maps. I have maps in my vehicle for every major city in the state I live in, as well as other cities that I visit regularly. And I do have some of those cartoonish tourist type maps for areas I go to all the time. I lived in downtown Seattle for several years and knew the place well. I still keep a map of that area for when I go up there. Because even though the roads are still all there, it's been a long time and I don't remember exactly where everything is and businesses change. So consider that. Get a map that you can have with you that you can carry around in case you need it to escape and evade. Another thing to consider, especially people that travel abroad, is to always have a photo ID on you, whether it's a passport, a driver's license, or whatever ID your country uses. And if you're in a foreign country, make sure you know where any embassy or consulate is. That ID is going to get you in there. And if you're a member of the military or have any type of military or law enforcement or emergency medical services ID card, make sure you have that with you too. That can buy you a saving grace to where if you found, say, a group of police and medics working in a certain area in a riot, you could show them that, offer to help them out. They may very well take you in and help protect you and your family. People with military IDs get a lot of free gifts and discounts and often get a lot of favor in the right neighborhoods. But also you can get onto places like military bases or in embassies even quicker than a regular national who doesn't have a military ID card. And that's probably true for a lot of other countries, but I'm not entirely sure of that. Another thing to know too is any close allied nation that you know your country's allies with, know where their embassies, consulates, and properties are. A lot of them will take people in as well. So one of the things I do when I travel is I find out where any Australian, Canadian, or British embassies or consulates are so that I can get access to them in an emergency if I need to because they tend to take in American citizens if they're able to. One of the other things I do when I travel or even go to cities I know, I look for if I'm taking, say, a group of people and we have two or more vehicles, is I tend to have people park in different areas over the piece of geography we're going to travel and meet up in the middle and then do whatever we're doing that day. And the reason I do that is so that if something broke out in that area, we have two or more places where there's a vehicle that we could all potentially pile into, even if we didn't have seatbelts, just to get out of the area. You can come back and get the other cars later. One of the other things I do is I don't wear a watch that often, but if I go to a city or I'm traveling across country, I wear a watch. You know, I have the multiple denominations of cash in different pockets and I know where they are. I also take an old wallet and fill it with some old credit cards and, you know, an old ID that's not even mine. If I even keep an IAD in there and maybe a few bills so that in this type of situation, if I was cornered by some people and they wanted what I have, I have something to give them. And if all they ask for is straight up, give me your wallet, I give them that wallet because it'll be a long time later when they find out those credit cards are expired or no good. Nobody's going to read dates on a credit card when they're robbing you. And it's a good way to have a kind of a cash system to get out of a situation in emergency just to buy your freedom. Doesn't mean it will necessarily work, but it's better to give that stuff up and hope for the best. Now, I bet somebody out there is thinking, too, I got a smartphone. I got apps on my phone, maps on my phone. I'll use that. Yeah, you definitely can use that. I would still have that hard map just because 
even now with the way things are breaking out in some of these cities, bringing in the National Guard and you know there's other federal agents there, if it really gets out of control and starts to get even worse than it is now, it's entirely possible that they'll take portions of cities and basically block out their cell access so emergency services could have access to them. So that's why you don't always want to count just on having your phone. Now, if you're going to put a map on your phone, one of the maps I use is called Avenza, A-V-E-N-Z-A. It's a free map that works off of GPS and not off the cell signal. And I've been in situations where there's been no cell access, whether it's either turned off or just no cell service, and the GPS still works. They tend not to shut those GPSs off, but that can still happen too. But even then, you can get a digital map on there, even if it's one you can just look at that you can't follow your little red dot on, and that's good to have. But your phone could get stolen. You might have to trade it. You might break it. So I still always recommend having at least one map if you can find one for the area you're going to be in. Another thing to consider too is when I go out in town or do anything like this, I always carry a bottle of water on me. And even out here in Arizona, it tends to get warm because I tend not to drink it. As I'm shopping or sightseeing or whatever I'm doing, having a meeting, I tend to buy my drinks or water there, but I keep that bottle of water on me. I simply do it because I was in a situation once where I had to leave a situation that was essentially a riot and I didn't have my water with me. I had drank it and then not refilled it. And I was in a situation for a few hours where with the adrenaline and the weather, I was out of water and it was an ugly situation. So I always recommend that people have that water with them, just a simple you know, 16, 20 ounce bottle. They keep it in their pocket or their purse or whatever you're carrying and you keep it there and you just don't touch it. Get your drinks while you're doing your stuff. That way, if something happens and you have to evade that situation, you actually have no way to tell how long you're going to be on your own on the ground trying to get out of there. It could be real, real fast, and it could be a few hours. And during that time frame, if it's a few hours, you'll have some water to drink that will get you by just fine because you can't count on these businesses being open or being able to give you stuff. Or what happens if a place has been looted, but everybody's moved on from there, and you really need water, and you're just really hurting bad, and you step in and get the water? Well, if you get seen in a cop's there, you could get arrested. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that in that situation. You probably could argue it for survival's sake. But it's best to avoid that situation at all if you can. And all you have to do is carry a bottle of water. Another thing I do as well is also carry a day's worth of prescription medicines when I have prescriptions on me whenever I'm doing stuff like this. And I always recommend it to people, especially if they have very important prescriptions that they need. Just so that if this situation happens, you have your water and you won't miss your medications because not having those medications could affect you dramatically depending on what they're for. You add that in with being dehydrated, you could go down very quickly and we don't want that. Another thing you can look at are handheld radios, whether they're on different bands like FRS or whether they're an amateur radio or whatever they are, you can have those or walkie talkies. Thing is, in that situation, you'll stand out, whether you look like security, law enforcement, whatever else. Maybe it just looks like something somebody can steal. So what's nice about those, like even some of the cheap ones you can get will have scanners on there where you can scan frequencies or you can find out if your local police or emergency service frequencies on there and pre-program or set them to that. And then what I recommend with the cheaper ones, they tend to coincide and work well with a lot of simple cheap headphones like people have run into their cell phone. What I tell them to do is leave it in your pocket, your purse, your jacket pocket, somewhere somebody can't see it. And I would always put it with my cell phone, but I'd have my headphones plugged into that radio. That way, if somebody wanted my phone, because they think I have one, I put my hand in my pocket, I pull the plug out of the radio, but I pull out my cell phone. Then I can hand them the cell phone, my cord hangs free, everything's good to go. I can plug it back in the radio and listen to see if there's information that I can use. Now, maybe later you end up using that radio, but for the amount of time you have it, it can be an invaluable tool. 
If you also remember from the EDC podcast, one of the things I talked about was folding up a couple of bills and putting them in your shoe. You won't feel them. They'll always be there. And if for some reason you were in this situation and you got robbed or had to use some of your money or lost some of your stuff, you'd actually still have that money in there. Because if you had a couple hundred dollars in there or even a hundred dollars and you were able to get a few blocks away away from a riot and there was a cheap motel, you could at least have a safe place for a few hours. May not be the place you want to stay the night, but at least you have a place that tends not to be attacked or looted, especially if it's cheaper motel and you're behind closed doors, you got a television to watch what's going on, and you got a phone, at least for local phone calls, so you have a place to be. On the show, I talk a lot about body language, and here's the thing. In this situation, because again, we're talking about rioters, people that are actively involved in violence and vandalism. There's not a lot of body language you're going to look for. A lot of it's going to be the same. They're amped up. They're full of adrenaline. The thing you really want to watch is their hands. You want to watch their hands. What are their hands on? What are their hands going to do? Because the hands are what are going to make things happen. They pull their hand out and it looks like one hand's hanging there. The other one's got its hand wrapped around something like a baseball. They probably got a rock. So don't just look at one hand. Look at both. Tends to be when people stand, walk, or do whatever, unless they're actively doing something, their hands tend to look symmetrical, meaning about the same. So if one hand looks dramatically different than the other, like it's making a fist or it's holding on to something, there is something there, at least a fist, but it could be a weapon. So pay attention to people's hands. The other thing to consider too, escaping invading, is how fast is that group moving? Can you tell? How close are they to you? As long as you can move faster than them, generally you should be okay as you look for your escape route. It doesn't mean you necessarily need to go on a dead sprint unless you walk right out into it. Because if you go on the dead sprint, you're going to run out of energy real fast and run a bigger possibility of being hurt. So you just need to be moving faster than they are. Now, what about that situation where something's going on and you walk out in the street and realize you just walked into the middle of a riot? What do you do? Well, one option is to go back inside. It just depends on what you just walked out of and whether or not anybody's paying attention to you. If you're not able to do that, another thing you can do is join in. Don't do anything illegal, but you could walk right in and walk with them. Look how they're walking and how they're acting, how they're carrying themselves. Try to do it the same way. If they're doing a chant, join in and just do it for a short amount of time while you work your way through the crowd or down to the next street where you can just step off to the side, stand there for a few seconds with people that are watching, and then turn around and move away another area. That way you're not drawing attention to yourself and you're blending in just for a few seconds. It's probably all it's going to take or just a few minutes. If you find yourself in that situation or you're potentially going to be in that situation, you need to assess your clothing very quickly. If the clothing you have stands out just due to, say, vibrant colors or just the fact that you're wearing clothing that, based on the value and price tag of it, is dramatically different than everybody else, if you're going to have to go on the move, one of the things you're going to need to consider is discarding the obvious things as quick as possible or turning them inside out if that'll make a difference. Just so that you don't have attention drawn to you because you're wearing, say, a brighter color when nobody else is wearing brighter colors. Or you're wearing a $5,000 suit and everybody else is wearing sneakers and blue jeans. Or you're wearing a sweatshirt and everybody else has polos. Figuring out what you need to adjust, whether you wear it differently, wear it inside out, throw it over your shoulder, or dump it. You'll need to make those decisions very quickly. And you can either do it immediately, or better yet in the situation, you have to walk there, give a few chants, go down the street around the corner, dump it there, keep moving, you look like a different person. People in those types of groups where a lot of that stuff's going on, there might be one or two that notice things, but most of them are following the crowd. They're swimming with the flow, and they're not paying attention to things unless they draw attention to themselves. 
something that attracts their eye. And that's what you want to avoid, attraction. Another thing you want to try to do is identify the groups involved as quickly as possible. So if you have time for a few seconds even to look at a crowd, see if this section of the crowd is carrying certain types of signs, where they follow certain political beliefs, or they belong to certain organizations, so you know who they are, so you know the right answers if you're getting questioned. Because if one guy just happens to stop you with a couple of his buddies and says, hey, do you support this organization? There's a higher probability of being assaulted or having things not go your way if you say, who is that? Rather than if you realize already that's their organization, you're like, hell yeah, I love you guys. What are you guys doing today? This is awesome. And they'll start telling you and you're like, oh, that's great. Can I walk with you guys for a little bit? Yeah, that's more likely to go that way. There's no guarantee in it. But if you can sell it, which is easily done, that you already know who they are and you're in support of it, that can buy you the few seconds to get out of that situation. That's all it really takes. You don't want to be the person without an answer or you want to come up with one that sounds very sellable as being inquisitive of like, no, what are you guys doing? Or is that you guys? Give them a question that forces them to answer. Don't leave them with a blank stare because they're already amped up. They're already attacking people and you don't want to be the next one. Another thing to consider too is groups of people within the crowd that are all dressed the same. I don't mean similar, but the same. So you got a group of people walking by, they're all wearing pink t-shirts, wearing a sign that says this, great, that's one group, you can identify them. But you're looking for the groups of people, tend to be younger, tend to wear a lot of dark clothing, if not all black, have the sunglasses on, the ball hat, and even the mask, and this was tended to be before people were wearing COVID masks. What you're looking for is these groups of people that are almost the same, but they also all have backpacks. Avoid those groups. Those groups tend to be organized, hired volunteer protesters that tend to start or engage in violence and riots or vandalism. And in those backpacks, they have the tools of the trade they need, whether it's rocks, spray paint, Molotov cocktails, whatever. That's where their gear is. So if you have to move with a section of crowd and you have a choice, avoid the ones that look the same. They're all carrying backpacks or they're all carrying some type of messenger bag because that tells you. They are somewhat organized and they have tools in there, things that they can use that could put you in harm's way. Remember too that if you're close enough to be seen or they're coming by you, you have to interact with this crowd even to a minimal degree, don't stand out. Move at the speed they're moving or maybe a little slower. Don't look shocked. Don't get up and run away. Don't make sudden movements that are going to draw attention to you where people may see you and choose to move in to either attack or challenge you. Just make it casual, go with the flow as long as you need to to get out of that situation. Remember, everything about being gray is blending in. It's blending into your environment. Okay, blending into your environment isn't like saying, well, I need to wear this type of camouflage because I'm in this wood line. It's no, what is your environment? In this environment, we're talking about being probably in a city or more urban area. We're talking about a protest or march that has become a violent riot with vandalism and assaults and all kinds of bad stuff. And that is the environment. They have set the tone for that environment. That is their baseline. So when we say you need to blend to your environment is you need to identify and then morph into the baseline of what's happening right now. Another thing you need to consider to have is with people that are with you, which is probably gonna be family or friends, is having some sort of link up location or safe place that you can go if you get split up. The worst thing is for families to be split up especially if kids get separated. Nobody wants that. So we want to have safe places you can go that are appropriate that the kids can understand or that a parent with a child can go to. Whether it's going to meet on this street corner two blocks over, we're going to go to the nearest police officer and ask them for help. 
we're going to go to this building, we're going to go to this hotel, wherever it is that can be out of that site, that line of view, where you can link up and find them later. That's going to help you stay safe so that they don't just get lost and wander around trying to look for each other. You also should have established safe words, passwords, or phrases, just like people recommend that they do with kids so that when an adult comes and talks to them and says, hey, I'm supposed to give you a ride home, the kid knows what should be said. If it's not said, they don't get in the car. That's good for even adults to have in these situations. So that if something is said, they know that it's a bad situation or they know that if they're approached by an adult that this is not the person I want to be with. Or that if you walk up to one of your friends who's engaged with a conversation, they can work a word or a phrase in that conversation so that you can know that conversation's okay and nothing's happening or that they feel threatened. Those are all valuable tools that need to be considered. So I definitely look for that. Phrase, especially for children, to know whether or not they should go with that adult. A phrase to identify if any interaction is friendly and if any interaction is potentially threatening. These are all good tips for anybody. It doesn't matter if you support a protest, a march, a riot or not, whether or not you're participating, no matter what your political beliefs are, these are good tips for everybody to have. I hope that you find them useful and share them with people. And if you have some more ideas, please comment on the Twitter or Facebook feeds or send me a message and we can add to them at another time. I hope everybody's being safe out there. Pay attention. If you're even within 25 to 50 miles where riots are happening, pay attention because they're starting to spread out in some areas. Figure out where these things are going Look for any planned protests or marches in your area. Those very easily could turn bad. Find out where they are. Research this stuff and make decisions on how to move about and live your life in order to avoid these situations. Don't forget to check the show notes below for the other podcast. Disagreeable Thoughts and Philosophies and DMR Publications had a great podcast on Saturday discussing what's going on with the riots as of Saturday, as well as things with China. So it was a wonderful podcast. I do have all the books in now for the giveaway. I'm just kind of scrutinizing and going through the videos. I think I'm putting too much work into it, figuring out which videos to use. But I'm going to pick one or two and have a couple of minutes of letting people watch it. I'll do an episode on that and explain how we're going to do that here shortly so that you can win a copy of one or two books, um, three sets of two books I'll give to three people on detecting deception, different ways to do it. And it should help you expand your knowledge base on those subjects. Thank you for listening and we'll be here for you shortly on Gray Man Hiding in Plain Sight.